0: G'day, Darren Mitchell here, and welcome back to another episode of the Exceptional Sales Letter Podcast on this Tuesday, the 14th of September 2021. Wherever you happen to be in the world, trust you've had a phenomenal start to the working week and uh, taking full advantage of all the opportunities that are no doubt in front of you for your team and yourself as a leader to uh, really, really move the dial towards achieving those exceptional results So in today's episode, I want to talk about a topic that is near and dear to me, and it's something that all leaders, if they are to become exceptional leaders in their own right, then they need to get really good at this, and that is feedback. Now, feedback is an interesting one, because I had a conversation with some clients this morning, and we were talking about feedback and how many of them are finding the environments they're working in right now are not necessarily conducive to, uh, let's just say, positive feedback. There's lots of feedback going on. But the feedback is not necessarily as positive as they would like it to be, and certainly not driving behaviors in the right direction, and certainly not leading to uh, the culture being developed, certainly not leading to results being delivered as as being extraordinary. They're anything but right now. And a lot of it's got to do with the way the leader is providing feedback, uh, or in some cases, not providing feedback. So one of the things we talked about, and one of the privileges of leadership when you think about it, is the expectation to deliver feedback. Uh, great leaders have no issues whatsoever delivering feedback and it's done in such a way that leadership and feedback go hand in hand to the point where the environment they create, feedback is not just expected, it is absolutely demanded. Now, I've talked a lot about this on the podcast and I talk a lot about this in workshops and certainly one-on-one with the clients as well. As a leader and certainly as an exceptional sales leader, we need to be able to create an environment where feedback is just a part of day-to-day activity. And Whether it's us providing feedback as leaders to our team, to key stakeholders, to senior leaders, or whether it's our team providing feedback to us as sales leaders, the environment that's being created is such that leadership is demanded because it's considered to be an essential element of a high-performing culture. So, One of the privileges of the leadership, of course, is you get to provide feedback and the expectation around feedback. Uh, on, the, on the flip side, one of the challenges, of course, around leadership is the expectation to deliver feedback. And not all leaders are good at this, and in fact, many are not good at it. And this is one of the things we talked about this morning, because when you think about it, when feedback is delivered in the correct way, it can really enhance not only the person's ability to increase their discretionary effort, but also increase their output as a result of that effort. And so if we're looking at driving a high-performance culture and exceptional sales culture, then feedback needs to be a cornerstone of that particular culture. And so really, feedback is and truly is and always has been the breakfast of champions. Now, it sounds a bit of a cliche, because it probably is, but I firmly believe that. And when when leaders can actually do this, and when they treat feedback as the breakfast of champions, always seeking feedback, but also being prepared to give feedback when it's required, then they underpin, in more cases than not, a high-performing culture. So it begs the question, this is one of the things I asked the guys this morning, is why is it therefore that a lot of leaders avoid giving feedback? And uh, there was lots of different answers, but a lot of it is often they're afraid of what the responses they're going to get. Often they're afraid of hurting people's feelings. And interestingly, many leaders don't give feedback because they don't have a, 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 a formula or a process or a framework to be able to deliver constructive feedback. So, Their mechanism to, I guess, protect themselves is to not provide feedback at all, or they'll just have a conversation, or in some cases, they'll just provide criticism. Or on the flip side of that, they'll provide uh, praise, but often that praise is not necessarily contextual, so it's not specific enough, and therefore, it misses the mark. And so one of the things we talked about this morning is, okay, what is about feedback based in your environments that makes it effective or ineffective? And interestingly, most of the conversation was around how leaders in their environments are providing ineffective feedback. And some of the things that come across this morning was that often the feedback given is one way. So there's no real uh, opportunity to contest the feedback. There's no real questions that are being asked. It comes across as being one way, very one way and very directional. It's also highly opinion-based. So often the language that leaders use when it comes to giving feedback is very uh, much tainted with the word I that's through the conversations. I think this, I reckon that, I believe this. This is my perspective. Therefore, my my perspective is this is how I'm going to give you the feedback. Um, So it becomes very opinion-based and people wonder why uh, people when you're giving feedback to and you've got your opinion in there, uh, why they put their back up, why they start to go on the defensive and sometimes why they go on the offensive when it comes to feedback because it's not necessarily objective. It's very, very uh, subjective and therefore opinion-based. And the other thing that came out as well is that often in these sort of situations, the leaders haven't necessarily established a bedrock of trust and respect to the point where feedback is uh, demanded. And so the feedback, therefore, is tainted with, as I said, opinion. But because there's not that high level of trust and respect there, uh, it's not necessarily received uh, with the intention that may well be given in terms of the intention but it not received in that way because the trust hasn't been delivered there. So we talked about some things around what, what do we as leaders, if we're, we're going to be exceptional leaders, what do we need to do to provide the ecosystem and the environment where feedback becomes almost demanded and people feel comfortable not only giving feedback, but certainly asking for feedback and demanding feedback in return. And so some things we, we talked about is, first of all, it needs to be, uh, it needs to be objective. It needs to be quite neutral. So when it comes to providing feedback to anybody, it needs to be based on the observations of what you've seen. So it has to be based on behavior or specifics of what you've noticed. It doesn't come into what you think about something, what your interpretation is something about something, or what your opinion is about something. It doesn't count. It needs to be clearly objective. The other key thing is it's got to be two-way. So you can't just have a one-way conversation and be one-directional expect the feedback to hit the mark. It's got to be two-way, which means there needs to be uh, a conversation that involves asking questions and also listening intently to the answers to those particular questions. And we talked about examples where in the past where people have actually received really good feedback and sometimes that really good feedback was actually quite negative feedback, so it was it was constructive criticism as a lot, a lot of people like to call it, but it was done in such a way that there were questions that were asked, there was a an intent from the person delivering the feedback to seek to understand the context behind the behavior that this person was demonstrating so that they could have an understanding and a benchmark in terms of what we're now providing feedback on. And so the fact of asking questions and listening intently to those establishes a level of trust, establishes a level of rapport. And even even when you can get into that position and asking somebody for permission to provide feedback, if you establish levels of rapport and levels of trust, then chances are nine times out of 10, people are going to turn around and say, absolutely, I'd love to get... Some feedback from you, so thinking about asking for permission to ask for, uh, to give feedback is another thing that great leaders will also contemplate as well as well it doesn 't always happen you don 't always have to be asking for permission to provide feedback, but it 's something to think about as best practice that it 's okay to ask for feedback now. What I will say is if you 've created an environment where feedback is demanded, there is no need to ask for permission because it 's just expected that every single conversation there will be an element of feedback associated with it. So we established that in order for us to underpin a high-performing culture, we need to get better at providing feedback. And these were some of the things we did talk about. Making sure that it is two-way, making sure we've established a level of trust, asking questions, listening intently, but also making sure we're dealing with the behavior, not dealing with the individual. So we've got to separate the person from the behavior because if the person knew better, they would probably do better, but sometimes people do have blind spots, so therefore that is why feedback is a fundamental element of any high performing culture. So we then talked about uh, some characteristics of effective feedback because one of the one of the guys was mentioning the fact that they had a feedback conversation with a he called a superior, and this particular superior was giving feedback to him in the presence of another senior executive. and to say that this feedback was, uh, negative would be understating. It was it was really really negative, and it felt as if this was just an absolute attack on this particular individual. So it didn't go down well, and it certainly didn't enhance the reputation of this senior leader in the eyes of the of the client I was talking with this morning. So it led into the conversation around okay, there are some characteristics we need to be really mindful of around effective feedback before we actually start thinking about that framework that we use to provide feedback. So some things to think about from an environmental point of view, and this is something you might, also, you might also already be using these, and if so, hey, keep doing them. But I find that many conversations they have with leaders, they're not necessarily having these things front of mind. They tend to just go straight into the feedback conversation. So here are six things to consider uh, for effective feedback. Number one, have it in private. As, as my client realized, having the conversation in front of somebody else that wasn't a positive conversation is not the way to do things. So when delivering not so great feedback, it is really important to always ensure that you do this privately. Now, it is a cliche, but it's so true that we praise in public and we criticize in private. Now, I've lost count of the number of teams that I've seen uh, have feedback conversations in amongst their peers, and those feedback conversations are not positive. Not only do they not know how to deliver effective feedback, but it also sounds like there's just a dirty linen being aired and for all people to be able to see and hear what's going on. We've got to make sure that uh, feedback, uh, even positive feedback, I would say uh, do it in a private, private setting and do it in an area where, particularly if you're in your office, do it in an area where you can't see through windows because people's body language meters go up really well and people can see and sense from based on how people are uh, sitting with each other or standing with each other as to whether this is a positive conversation or whether it's a really difficult conversation. And sometimes uh, in office environments, despite our best intentions, sometimes gossip can happen. And uh, having things in private away from prying eyes is a really important element when it comes to providing effective feedback. So do it in private. That's the first thing. Second thing is make sure that the feedback you're going to be giving is balanced. And by balanced, I mean this is not opinion-based. So avoid the old feedback sandwich. Now, I know many organizations still use the feedback sandwich, and unfortunately, many people still teach the feedback sandwich, but you've got to make sure that the feedback is balanced. And, I, and I'm an advocate of not using the feedback sandwich because it simply doesn't work. One of the reasons it doesn't work is because most people start with an opinion, they start with a positive reinforcing behavior or something that uh, is positive to say about somebody, which may or may not be true, but they're buttering the person up for what comes next. And most people cannot help but say things like, hey, you're doing a phenomenal job, but. And as soon as the word but comes in, everything that's just been said up until that moment is now forgotten because the real feedback is coming. So don't use the old feedback sandwich. Avoid attacking or appearing to attack the person. Make sure it's really objective and really balanced. But it needs to be based on the behavior. The other thing to make sure about as well is it needs to be relevant. So keep the conversation focused on feedback that is relevant and job-related around the behavior that has been observed or has been demonstrated. So again, remove the opinion. So it's not about what you think. It's not what you think you interpreted. It's what you actually saw. So make sure it's relevant to the actual job. Now, if you have a certain opinion about somebody and you're giving feedback, the worst thing you can possibly do is bring in your opinion about what they've done uh, previously uh, into this feedback conversation because in most cases, it's going to be completely irrelevant and you'll lose not only credibility as a leader, but you'll lose them in terms of your your person you're giving feedback to because they know this is not constructive. This is just an attack on the individual, so you've got to make sure it's relevant. You've also got to make sure that it's very specific. So be specific in the feedback, uh, as this is far more constructive than being very general. Now, this goes for positive feedback, but also not so positive feedback. I always laugh when people say, oh, I got some great feedback from my manager. And I say, well, what do they, they say? He said, oh, I'm doing a phenomenal job. Great. How do you feel about that? And he said, well, I felt great for about five seconds until I realized, well, telling me that I'm phenomenal doesn't really help me. What, what, what specifically am I being phenomenal at? And this is the difference. So if you can get really specific, and it's okay to say somebody's doing a phenomenal job, but give them more detail. Give them specifics around what is it that they are actually being phenomenal at so they can get some context and so they know what it is that they're doing well so they can keep doing that. So make sure it's specific. The fifth one is make sure it's documented. So base feedback on documentation, facts, and your observation. Uh, So gather evidence, gather factual data, because often when people, particularly when it comes to a difficult Conversation, people, and quite rightly so, are going to ask for evidence to support, I guess, the assertion that they're not performing at the level they want. And this is really, really important when it comes to difficult, challenging feedback, which, by the way, is always intended to improve somebody's performance, not intended to get rid of somebody. And this is the key differentiator that I want to make it really, really clear. This is not about getting rid of people, it's about uh, having the documentation to support the changes in behavior we want to see being demonstrated by this individual to take them to an entirely new level. So make sure there's enough documentation there that's relevant. And also the sixth one is make sure that this is personal, but personal in the right way. So again, we've got to be making sure that we base the feedback on the observation of the behavior and not on the person themselves. So it's not about my personal opinion, but it has to be personal to the point where this is the behavior this person was demonstrating And so therefore, the behavior needs to be based on that, not based on any other thing other than the behavior and not the individual. So there are six key characteristics of effective feedback. And I can guarantee that if you keep those in mind when it comes to delivering feedback to somebody, then you put yourself in a really, really good position to have a positive, uplifting, constructive conversation around feedback. And not getting sucked into the uh, the mire of opinion-based stuff, where it becomes he said he said, she said he said she said she said, etc. etc. And so, thinking about these, and it come when it comes to the framework you're trying to put in place, in terms of the environment, uh, is really really important in terms of effective feedback. Which leads to well, what there needs to be some sort of structure that we can use to provide effective feedback, whether it be formalized feedback, whether it be planned feedback. When in a lot of cases, some of the uh, unplanned ad hoc type feedback that we often need to provide in the moment when things happen. And sometimes you can't just uh, let things slide. You've got to have the conversation there and then. Uh, and this particular three-step process is a really effective way to uh, have a meaningful, objective-based, non-opinion-based feedback conversation, which can be used for positive reinforcement, but also constructive uh, conversations, or around around, somewhat like like to say, constructive criticism. Not that I like that term, but it's a simple three step process that you never get lost. You'll always know where you're going to be. And the preface for all this is: make sure that as much as possible, this is going to be a two way conversation. So I think I've shared this on the podcast as well, but it is it it bears mentioning again because it is a really powerful yet simple. Uh, feedback framing model called SIW or Situation Impact Way Forward. Now, really simple. Situation is first up. This is something you've observed. So, what is the situation? We're going to be we're to be really really careful here. What is actually happening? What are the facts? What is the behaviour that has been observed? We don't want to be dealing with opinions. So, giving feedback to somebody based on an opinion of what you thought was happening is not, uh, is, not is not a good foundation for a good feedback conversation. Nor is it a good foundation for building a trusted relationship. So the situation part is absolutely critical where we have to be crystal clear on what has just happened, only dealing with facts. I'm not dealing with opinion and I'm not dealing with certain interpretations of what happened. What is the situation? So this is all behavior based. You've observed somebody say something in a certain way to somebody else and you've got to give feedback based on that. It's simply based on what you observed. The next part is the impact. So what is the impact of this situation? So what are the positive impacts or maybe some of the negative impacts of this situation? And what are the impacts going to be on the customer, the team member, the team, the organization, and all the key stakeholders? Now, ideally, what you want to do is make sure that this is a two-way conversation because one of the key things in the situation part is I want to get really crystal clear. Based on my observation, I'll have a certain perspective on that. But I need to understand what was the intent behind the person's behavior in the first place. And so if I can seek to understand what that intention was, it can actually give me a little bit more clarity around what the potential impact was on that particular behavior. But equally, I want to be asking questions of the person I'm about to give feedback to in terms of what they think the impact is hypothetically or otherwise on the, on the key stakeholders and the people in their environment based on their behavior and based on what has just happened. So the impact is the really important one because most people simply go from, this is the situation and this is what I want you to do differently next time. So they miss out on the impact. And the impact is where the emotion can come into it. And the impact is where the real lesson can be learned. Because often from a feedback perspective, what you're looking for is a person's level of self-awareness. And if somebody can articulate what the potential impact is on a certain behavior or a certain situation, then it paves the way for having the next step in the process or the way forward being a little bit easier and a high probability of things being put in place to either rectify the behavior or continue a positive behavior. So the third element of the SIW framing tool is the way forward. So what does the team member, what does the person need to do, either continue to do or do differently in order to get a different result? So what do you need to do therefore as a leader to help them in, in terms of assisting them to uh, get better uh, what sort of what sort of support do you need to do what do you need to do in terms of removing obstacles for example so always thinking about the way forward and ideally you want the person to uh, think about what are some things they would like to do differently to help improve their behavior but also it's an opportunity for you to give some ideas as to how you think they can improve and move forward and change behavior. So the SIW framework is a really powerful tool to enable us to have a confident-based conversation, whether it be positive reinforcing behaviors or try to give, give people a, a bit of an insight in terms of uh, where their behaviors are not necessarily hitting the mark, but also have an opportunity to provide really constructive feedback in a way that's not personal. It is not, uh, in, when I say personal, not opinion-based but it is simply behavior-based as a way to improve performance and drive to a high-performing culture. So the good thing about SIW is that people will potentially take you down rabbit holes or try to deflect attention, and no matter what they try to do, you always know you're going to be in three one of three key stages. You'll either be talking about the situation, having a conversation around what was observed, what the behavior was, you'll be talking about what the impact is, or you'll be talking about the way forward. So very quickly, you can get back on track and finish the conversation in a constructive way so uh, it's a feedback tool that I use a lot it's a feedback tool that I teach a lot of my clients and it's a feedback tool that is very very effective and therefore drives confidence in having the feedback conversation when you need to have it. So again feedback is the breakfast of champions and I can guarantee that exceptional sales leaders who oversee an exceptionally performing culture that drives exceptional results has feedback as a cornerstone of that culture. So the people in their team demand feedback on a constant basis. So become a feedback-seeking machine. Become a feedback machine and understand that feedback really is the breakfast of champions and just watch what happens to your sales leadership and the performance of your team in the process. So I trust that message resonates and I hope it hits you exactly as it was intended to remind you that feedback really is something that needs to be the cornerstone of any high-performing culture. So as a key reminder before we wrap up for this particular episode, if you are committed to taking the leadership leap to exceptional sales leadership and doing that in the next 90 days. Love to work with you one-on-one and help you do just that. So simply go to my calendar, leadwithdarren.com, pick a time that suits. We'll jump on a Zoom call, have a conversation about what the program looks like. Uh, have Talk about specifically what you're looking to achieve from a sales leadership perspective. And let's map out a program to help you do that in the next 90 days and take you to being that exceptional sales leader. So I look forward to that conversation. And as always, look forward to sharing with you on the very next episode.